Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast. My name is Patrick Hayes. I am your host, and with me is my co-host, Caleb Jenks, <clears throat> live from East Texas. And tonight, uh, I need to start off by apologizing. I have not been Johnny on the spot with getting the events listed. So we, <laughs> the event uh, just got posted today, like this morning. So I'm sure I know a lot of you couldn't have looked forward tonight other than knowing that we're going to be on, but you didn't know what we we're going to be talking about. So tonight <clears throat> we are talking about <clears throat> predestination versus free will. So we, we had this subject picked for a long time. I just forgot to make the event and post it. So that's why we're a little behind the ball. Um, and furthermore, Caleb and I didn't even know what we were talking about until this afternoon at about 2 p.m. when Caleb called and reminded me uh, what we were doing. So there is less prep work and uh, less uh, notes and uh, less content that we have in front of us as far as preparedness than most evenings. So tonight should be a good one. The other thing that Caleb and I were just discussing is that we've never really discussed this topic before. So I don't really know Caleb's thoughts on it and he doesn't really know mine. So we're, we're going to jump in <clears throat> and I think we're going to have some fun with this one. It's certainly a controversial topic. A lot of people, I think, overlook some basic principles in the Bible and that's why they get confused by this idea and that's why they have a hard time. But anyway, uh, predestination versus free will. Caleb, <clears throat> when someone asks you about that, what is you where does your mind immediately go because we we could talk about this in a lot of areas or a lot of arenas of your life in the bible but what's the first thing that you think about when we're talking about predestination versus free will i'm always like wait did i not look like an american of course <laughs> this is america baby of course i'm free will <laughs> have it your way yeah no i mean it's it's kind of crazy how how, how much that we take advantage of God's uh, nature that he's put in us, in, in us having this free will. And then we still like to point a finger back at God and blame everything on him. So of course, yeah, I, I tend to lean more toward the free will side. I guess I'll get that out up front. Also, okay. I was going to say one thing. You said there was less prep work that went into this episode than others. I was just wondering, was there prep work on the others? <laughs> Okay, on Patrick's side, there was less prep work. I usually try to sit down for at least 30 minutes and like just remind myself what we're talking about and if any verses come to mind. And I just write them out, you know, and kind of do, you know, I mean, that's all I'm talking about. I try to get my bearings. But no, I get it. I mean, neither of us like set aside an hour in the week and study for this or anything like that. We just don't have the time. And I mean, I know that Caleb and I are both guys that are in our Bible every day. We not only read our Bibles, we read them with our families. We we listen to podcasts and listen to preachers, you know, teaching the Bible throughout the week. I mean, we, you know, I know Caleb and I both get enough Bible every week to choke a horse. So <clears throat> through doing all of that, you're constantly, you know, keeping your mind fresh on a whole bunch of different ideas. And, you know, you're constantly kind of putting things in the back of your mind and prepping for any conversation with the Bible. So that's really about what what he and I do throughout the week as far as any of these. OK, Caleb, I am trying to share this. So uh, think up a good question yeah, so, for me or whatever you think. Well, a follow up to that was I was just going to say I actually had 
typically I don't put much prep work time into, but tonight, well, I guess I called you about, oh, what was it, two o'clock or something? You may want to sound, shut the sound off on your laptop there. Sounds like we got some feedback coming in off of that. Hold but on. anyways, um, is that any better? Two, uh, not sure yet. One, two, three. Yeah, you're, you're, I, don't, I don't hear myself coming back through now. Okay. Um, yeah, so this afternoon I was like, what are we talking on? And then I realized we didn't have a topic picked out. So I went home in the middle of prepping for a, a food thing that we were doing. And um, But then we still didn't get the topic picked out. So I didn't actually spend much time until I went on a list after I talked to you, list of topics that we had decided to discuss. And I was like, well, this one will be easy because I'm pretty, pretty sure that we should have a pretty good grasp on this one. Um, oh yeah. I mean, how many times have you been asked about this subject and talked with someone about it since you started reading the Bible as a Christian? I mean, right. how many times? Yeah. A countless hundreds, number of times? Right. Yeah, exactly. So well, this is not a new subject. All the time when I hear people making really bad, messed up arguments against Christianity, and I see that oftentimes it comes from bad theology based around this subject. I'm like, man, somebody should have given you back in the day, somebody should have given you an earful on this, and maybe you wouldn't have these misconceptions about God. So the, I guess I would say that this is kind of the, obviously, we could we could just go different routes with this, but I would say the biggest thing is it seems like it becomes a conflict where people think that you have to have you have to follow one route or the other, and different churches have done that. They've even they've even divided over this issue, and so this is this is an issue where it seems that God can't be omniscient and and still allow us to have free will. That there's some sort of a con conflict there, and so that. That's where kind of this paradox where it seems like that it turns into a lot of people want to turn this into this insurmountable problem that obviously you can't have it both ways. So you have to pick one one way or the other. So I guess the practical way of, of how this plays out seems like it can have really detrimental effects if you don't understand. Just because God gives us free will doesn't mean that he isn't still God. And just because he's God doesn't mean that he doesn't still give us a free will. So I was going to ask you how, like in a practical sense, can you see this play out in something in your life or in somebody else's life where bad theology on this could have had negative consequences in somebody's faith in God if they were to, I, I, there's a couple of, of scenarios that I've kind of thought of throughout the day today where I know of situations where in my own life, where if I would have not had a good understanding in this, I could have possibly become angry at God. Okay, sure. You know, the, the most common thing that I hear of, and, and we were just talking about this as we were getting the camera and the audio together, you know, in the last 20 minutes before we started. <clears throat> what I often see is that anytime something good happens in the life of a Christian or someone in the world, they take credit for it. <laughs> Right. Right. Oh, that was because of how smart I am and how talented I am and how many things I got going for me. And they don't give God the credit. They don't give God the glory. They don't thank God for it. And it's just a terrible practice. And it, I, I think it, it it's a bad place to be. That's that's not where we want to be. But then you have the other side. <clears throat> when bad things happen to that person, they're not willing to take any credit for it. Then it's all God's fault. How did God let this happen to me? How did God, why has God punished me thus and so? And I think that's 
that's really a mess because <clears throat> the Bible even says in your favorite book, in the book of James, that every good and perfect gift cometh down from above, from the Father of lights. Okay. But every good thing that we have in our life comes from God. I'll tell you one of the most small and trivial things I often thank God for <clears throat> is clean, cold water. When I brush my teeth, when I take a cold drink of water, when I'm hot and thirsty, I oftentimes say, God, thank you so much for clean water. Because I've been to places on earth where they don't have clean water. And let me tell you, it is such a tremendous blessing. I don't have to haul my water. I don't have to walk miles and fill up a bucket and walk miles back. I just turn a handle and there it is. And I thank God for that pretty regularly because I don't want that to stop. And that's such a small thing, but <clears throat> we have it mixed up. See, every bad thing in my life, Caleb, is because of my ignorance, because of my stupidity, because of my disobedience. And that's the place that I want to live. I want to always remember that if I had just done it God's way, things would have been better. There has never been a time in my life where <clears throat> I did my will instead of God's and it turned out better. It's always more difficult. It always costs me more. It always takes longer to accomplish whatever. So I always want to do it God's way. And, and therefore, <clears throat> I want to take the credit when I mess up and quickly go to God and say, hey, God, I'm sorry I messed that up. You know, I should have done your will instead of mine. But that's one of the things that I think messes up a lot of uh, Christians and a lot of people in the world is anytime something bad happens, they blame God. And they go right to the side of, well, God makes everything happen. And it's like, all right, that's fine. But can you play the other side of that coin? If, if that's what we believe, then shouldn't we thank God for every single good thing in our lives? But we don't because that's human nature and we're all knuckleheads. So that's one thing that I see <clears throat> that, uh, that oftentimes when we go to the, uh, that extreme side where God makes every single thing happen, and nothing happens in this world without God's specific directive, uh, I think that can paint God as kind of a really, kind of a mean guy, kind of a rough guy. Because if you think about it, if we're going to blame God for all the wars, all the death, all the famines, all the sickness, all of the, everything like that, then, you know, we kind of get a bad taste in our mouth when we when we think about God. And the fact is, Caleb, the way it works is that God set up a perfect world without sin. And then we sinned. That's what happened. We brought it in. We messed it up. That's like me buying a brand new vehicle, driving it off the lot, okay, and then getting drunk, wrapping it around a telephone pole and going back to the dealer and blaming him for that piece of junk that's now in 10,000 pieces. It's just ridiculous. I messed the car up. I can't blame the guy you know, at the factory that made this nice, nice product. That, that was the first thing that came to mind. Do you have any thoughts as far as doctrinally or in your life, how, you know, the ideas, uh, you know, can lead people astray into some strange places? Yeah. So I was, um, I was actually thinking about it earlier. Why I, Oftentimes, I, it's nice to just avoid doctrine and have fellowship and friends and not to get into these things. And why is it important to, to discuss a topic like this? And so I just thought I should say it's not it's not just that I love finding controversial things in the Bible just to have an argument for the sake of arguing. I'll say it. 
<laughs> I love this podcast. If we just did fellowship time here, I would be bored out of my mind and I would find well, something else to do. <laughs> right. Um, hey, hi, Mike. I see you're on here. I had a, we had a good fellowship with Mike the other day. We didn't actually get into a lot of controversy. I was out at Mike Reed's house the other day. Uh, we actually took a bunch of broccoli out there and dropped it off two pallets at his house. I guess, you know, Mike. Oh yeah. Yeah. So anyways, um, yeah, fellowship is great sometimes. And sometimes it's nice to set doctrinal differences aside in order to just be able to be productive in the kingdom. But yeah, I actually think this real, some... real quick, real quick. Let me add something. When Caleb and I get together and our families get together, we just hang out and laugh and have fun. It's not him and me and our wives sitting around the table with our Bibles out yelling at each other about doctrinal right. issues. I mean, we just have a good time. But that's the purpose of this podcast is to Correct. get into the difficult, ugly stuff and and dive in and make everybody mad. So sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, it's and not just to make people mad, but it is I think uh, some of these are actually really important issues. And some people are like, well, hey, believe in Jesus and everything's fine. Well, some go. of these things can really, really be um things that that really trip us up and cause us to stumble and i i hear people that are mad at god because somebody died or because you know this or that went wrong in their life so i actually think this is actually a very very important doctrinal issue to, un to have an understanding on and as a general rule i would say i could say with authority on um topics that we discuss on here the best assumption is that patrick and i are probably wrong i have pretty mm -hmm. good confidence that if, if there's ever an issue in the Bible, I'm probably wrong. So if you hear it on here, assume, I that, agree. assume that we're both wrong and that the Bible's right. But <laughs> um, this is of, of all of the wrong topics that I are all the things I could be wrong on. I do think that this is something that's definitely important to to give some time and some thought to because let's say, for instance, well, all right, you brought up a good point. If something goes right in our lives, we like to take credit for it. If something goes wrong, we like to blame somebody else. It doesn't always be, it's not always God. Some people blame, I even know a lot of Christians that always blame somebody else for all their problems. Mm -hmm. They're always a victim of their situation. And the very fact that God has given us a free will, to me, is probably the biggest single blessing and downfall that he gave to mankind. He had to know it was going to go wrong. He had to know we were going to be rebellious. And yet he chose to do it anyways. But if you look at all the evil, the most evil, terrible men in the world, the, th the, worst, the worst crimes you could think of, it's usually a violation of somebody's free will. Mm -hmm. You take good things that could have been, could have been good, but because they're forced on somebody, um, it's a violation of their, of their free will, of their, um, uh, what would you call it? There's sovereign human rights that they have that God's given us. You, you take good things that God created, like uh, marriage or uh, you know relations and things like that, and you take it outside of the context of free will and free choice, and all of a sudden it becomes really, really messed up. So if God, if we get to the point that we somehow think that we are robots controlled by God and that He does that He has predestined everything for us, or in theology it's known as the theological predetermination that God has predetermined everything, every aspect of your life, um, you end up in this really weird paradox where even the idea of sin itself is impossible because every action that we take is an extension of God's choosing. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of things in, in scripture that if it's taken to an extreme become 
huge conflicts and it it obviously when it's taken to that extreme it really doesn't make sense and there are churches that have come to the understanding that everything is predetermined by god and there's verses and i'll go over a few of those verses there are verses in the bible that talk about election and, and predestination but there's also plenty in there that talks about free will so let's say for instance i end up in debt which i did i ended up in in a bunch of financial debt and i didn't want to be in debt and i wanted to pay off my debt if I just come to the conclusion that, well, this is God's will for my life. He wants, this is how he wants, he predetermined this. It would have taken all the incentive out of it for me to actually go out, earn a paycheck and pay off that debt because, well, God, God is in control of this. Um, and because I knew that it was my choices that led me to that place in my life. And yes, God knew I was going to go there. I do believe that God knows ahead of time what's going to take place in our life. But just because I realized that he was no knowing didn't mean that I thought that he is the one that was at fault for my bad choices that led me into that position that I was in. And so that gives me the incentive to go out and earn a paycheck, pay off my debt, which is a biblical thing. And we're not supposed to, if you really take it to the, to the logical conclusion, why go to work? Why, why do anything unless God forces you to do it? And so that's, that's of course, just something that I was thinking of earlier. And I don't know if it's the best, uh, I've never lost a child. I've never, you know, we never had a miscarriage or something like that. That's really heartbreaking. I've lost friends, but I know people specifically people lose a close family member that oftentimes blame God and they're mad at God over it because obviously God knew this was going to happen. He could have prevented it. If he's a loving God, why didn't he stop this from happening? And so somehow this minimizes God's powerfulness or his, um, his willingness to be a good God because he allowed something bad to happen. So that's yeah, for real, me. Real let yeah, me add something. The idea that God is not a good or loving God, they associate that with God doing their desires. Right? Right. God basically what we're saying is because God didn't do it my way, he's not good. He's not loving. He's not caring. Okay. He he he's mean. Anyway, yeah. please continue. So I was going to read a few verses. I, I said there's plenty of places in the Bible that talk about predestination and talk about God knowing things ahead of time. So I'm going to read a, uh, Isaiah 45, uh, verse 12 here. I have made the earth and created man upon it. I, even my hands, have stretched out the heavens and all their host. I have I commanded. I have raised him up in righteousness, and I will direct all his ways. He shall build my city, and he shall let go my captives, not for the price nor reward, saith the Lord of hosts. So that is a situation where it really shows how God is in control of everything. And does this conflict with us having free will? I don't think so. All right. Here's another one. John 15, 16. This is, um, would be more along the lines of election, which I think tie in clearly God can choose us and we can choose God. But the, if you get to the idea that God has to choose you and otherwise you're going to hell because he didn't choose you and it's God's fault, that turns into a dangerous um, place there. So John 15, 16 says, ye have not chosen me, but I have, I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go forth, go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that who, whatsoever ye shall ask of the father in my name, he may give it to you. So if taken out of context, and, and I always say, when you read a, read a passage like this, we don't have time to read the whole entire Bible on this, but you really need to read it in, in the context and see what, what else is being said. But if this was read out of context, this reads something like, you have not chosen me, I have chosen you, and you cannot choose me, I can only choose you. But God chose us when he, when he chose to lay down his life for us. He chose us a creation. And so he's the first one that chose us. So 
if you just read that verse and you took out all the other verses that that go along with us responding to God's call, it could look like, okay, well, God chooses and I have nothing to do with it. Here's another one. Psalm 65, 4. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to, to approach unto thee, that he may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. And so this here again shows that God sometimes can choose people and cause them to approach him. You know, blessed is the man who thou choosest and causes to approach unto thee that he may dwell in thy court. So again, it's, it seems to indicate here that God can choose somebody um, and that they, it's God that causes them to come into him. But isn't that really the, the, the way that it really is? Jesus says no one comes to the father, but through the son. But it also says that no one comes to the son unless the father calls him to the son. And so we've all, I, I actually do believe that we've all been called. It says many, many are called, but few are chosen. Um, and so I do think, or is that how it's, yeah, many are called, but few are chosen. I, th I should look up that verse before I quote it wrong, but just because we've all been called and just because he has chosen us doesn't mean we've all chosen, chosen him. So I think that because he's given us free will and I'll ask you if, what you think, what your thoughts are on this, Patrick, I could be wrong, but just because he's chosen us and he died for all of us, mm -hmm. that doesn't negate the fact that we have, that we have a free will choice to choose him. <clears throat> yeah. So you know, that's a good point. And I figured that this conversation was going to end up uh, down the lines of salvation and really talking about the five point Calvinist view versus, you know, the free will view. <clears throat> so for and I'm not going to get into it and define all the different points, but I, I will say, OK, as far as it goes, that what Caleb is talking about is the idea that God calls people to get saved and those that he calls will all respond to get saved. No one ever does not respond and get saved. And the idea is it's called irresistible grace. Okay, when God calls you, you are going to um, you are going to respond with salvation. Now, what Caleb said before, which is he believes everyone gets called, that is Bible. That is scriptural, okay? If you <clears throat> look at uh, the book of John, and uh, I'm going to grab my Bible here because <clears throat> I can do this faster than looking it up. If you go to the book of John and you go to chapter 14 and uh, chapter 16, you're going to find the job of the Holy Spirit defined. And when you go, when you look at this, <clears throat> I'm right here, bear, bear with me for just one second. You find out... <clears throat> In 16, verse 7, it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter, capital C, <clears throat> will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. This is Jesus describing the job of the Holy Spirit once he uh, dies, is in the tomb, raises from the dead, and ascends into heaven. In verse 8, he says, And when he has come, he will reprove the world. This is non-saved people, the world. He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So, and then it goes on to define how those work. So the job of the Holy Spirit to the lost world is to reprove them of sin, righteousness, and judgment. They are sinners. God is righteous. There will be a judgment. The purpose of the Holy Spirit of God is to convict sinners that they are in need of a savior. That's one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit for the lost world is to put pressure on them so that they can respond and get saved. And the Bible is very clear, and I'll show you. I'll show you another another verse right here. 
Okay, <clears throat> if, you, if you go to 1 Timothy 2.4, we read, who will have all men to be saved and to come onto the knowledge of the truth. And, and again, it's talking about God and his desire. It's God's desire that all men get saved. There's another great verse in 2 Peter that I can get to. Uh, but <clears throat> clearly, God's desire, God's perfect will doesn't happen. And the reason it doesn't happen is because we get a say and we have to respond to that. And the Bible goes over and over and over and over and over again, and it's talking about all these uh, verses where we believe. So we have this call from God, from the Holy Spirit, who, who puts pressure on us and initiates uh, the beginning of walk going down the path and getting to salvation. And at some point, we can reject that. We can say, I don't want it. We can walk away. Uh, we can decide it's not for us. We can get offended and turn. But the fact is, God does start the process, and he calls us, and then it is up to us if we want to respond. Now, a friend of mine, Caleb, told me a story about this. Him and his wife uh, <clears throat> were married at their church and they were going to leave and move away to the other side of the country the next week. So anyway, this little old lady comes up to them and is like, Hey, uh, you know, I forgot to put the present on the table at your wedding. So here it is. I left it uh, on the coat rack with all the hats on the shelf there, you know, be sure to get that before you guys go. And he said, Oh, that's so nice. Thank you so much. And he said, me and my wife forgot about it. We went home, we packed the truck and we drove off to the other side of the country to start our life. And he's, and this was like 40 years ago. And he's like, for all I know, the president's still sitting there. Okay. Him not accepting the gift didn't make it any less of a gift. It was purchased on purpose. It was wrapped. It was given. It was stated that it was given. But my friend had to take it and open it. He had to receive it. He had a part to play. And it wasn't a work he had to do. He had to believe. Okay. And he didn't, he didn't do that. He didn't know open the gift. So he didn't get it. And, and that's the thing that I think so many people miss is that, yes, God calls us. Yes, God starts the process. But the fact is, God does not force us to love him or follow him. In the same way, I, I wouldn't want my wife to be forced to love me or follow me. I wouldn't want my children to do that. There are times when it would be convenient. Okay, but that would be worthless. It would be meaningless. Okay, I want my wife to want to love me. And God wants the same thing. And that's why he gave us free will, because God knows that if he forced us to love him and get saved and follow him and go to heaven to worship him forever, it wouldn't it wouldn't mean anything. Why not just invent robots instead of humans? So that that's why we have uh, our our free will. Caleb, I don't even remember the question you asked me to get started on this. I hope I answered it in the last two minutes, but I don't even remember what you asked. No, you're good. So we've had a lot of comments here, and apparently uh, we, we probably need to monitor the comments a little better because people are wondering if we should re refresh the page. Um, but anyways, uh -oh. I'll, I'll look through this, but I'll, I'll just say hey to Joseph Lindsay and Luana, my uh, cousin. It's good to see you guys on here. And I like the, the, the comment that you, that you made there, Luana, ab about this. And um, the, the, the interesting thing is, is that 
part of the reason you, you mentioned how when we rebel against his goodness, he won't force himself on us. Um, that's, I think, part of the reason that it's sometimes attractive to actually go the predestination route where we blame God for something is because when we can say, oh, well, this went wrong in my life or that went wrong in our lives and we have to take responsibility for those actions that we took, it's easier, no different than blaming another person, it's easier to blame God when we rebel against him. And so it's obvious, like Patrick just mentioned, that gift is there for all of us. God has chosen us. He's welcomed us. I mean, if you look at John 3, 16, um, all that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's, it's, it doesn't say all that God chose that then call upon his name, you know, any of the chosen. But I thought I would go. I, uh, oh, okay. I guess I, my wife was talking to somebody else when she mentioned refreshing oh, okay. the page. So anyways, um, I think that, I think that another another issue that I was going to mention with this is that uh, I do think that there God has the right to choose. If you look at the disciples, when he went and called the disciples, he says, go lay down your nets and follow me. There's times when God does choose some of us. And, and so we have to realize that God can actually personally call somebody and he can his grace can extend beyond the cross, beyond him just offering that sacrifice. It can, it can extend to us and he can personally go and call somebody. And he still, I still believe that God has the right to elect somebody, to choose somebody. But I do believe that we've all been called. Mm-hmm. And so anyways, this is okay. going, like you said, onto the salvation, down the, the, the beginning of the walk with God part as far as election mm-hmm. here. Uh, was there something else that you wanted to wrap up on this before we go on? No, no, no. I, when, when you're, when we're done going down the salvation idea and we can talk about other things. I did want to bring up a verse to try to help people understand at least where I'm coming, you know, with God and, 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 uh, um, and him choosing things and, and us and having free will. Right. Yeah. No, go ahead. I, okay. So if this is a foundational principle that if you don't understand, I think it hurts a lot of it messes up doctrine in the Bible. So I'm going to, I'm going to type in the verse. I'm not going to type it out. I'm just going to give it to you so you can look it up. And that's Isaiah 57 verse 15. Okay. So Isaiah 57 verse 15, it says, for thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of contrite and humble spirit. Okay. So we're talking about God here. And this is the only place in the entire Bible where the word eternity is found. It's in this one verse, Isaiah 57, 15. And when we read this verse, we find out that eternity is not what people often think. Many times people think that eternity is just having an infinite amount of time. And that's not true. Eternity is a place. It says here that it's the place that God lives. Eternity is a place that is outside of our time domain. There is no time in heaven. And when we get there, we will live in eternity with God. So if you think of the world as a timeline and you have the start over here and you have the end over here and you have a line and events happen sequentially, that's fine. But you have to understand, you have to draw a dotted line above that and write eternity, and that's where God lives. And God can see any point on that timeline at any time, all at once. God is present at every single point on that timeline that we live in. 
And that's why God can tell the beginning from the end. How did God write the book of Revelation? Well, because he's as present in Revelation in that time in the future as he is present right now, as present as he was 2,000 years ago on the cross. He, he's present during all of those periods. So you see, God, he, <clears throat> he already knows the end of the movie. He's seen it. A million times. Now, Caleb can make whatever decisions he wants today. I can make whatever decisions I want tomorrow, but God already knows what they are. That doesn't mean he's forcing me to do any of these things. He didn't force me to marry my wife. He didn't force me into the line of work that I am in. Okay. But God knew what was going to happen. None of us are a surprise to God, and nothing that I do is going to be a surprise to him. Okay, think of this. When Jesus died on the cross, Caleb, how many of your sins did he forgive you for? All of them. All of them. Okay. Right. How many of those sins took place prior to him dying on the cross? None of them. None. Right. But he still forgave you for every single one, right? Correct. Okay. He didn't even just forgive you for the ones that you knew about up to the point you got saved. He forgave you for every single one. Well, how did he do that? Well, because he already knew every single sin you were going to do throughout your whole life. And when did he know it? Here's the trick question. When did he know it? Since the beginning of time, I guess. That's Honestly, right. Before right. time began, he said that he had a plan for you before time began. He knew who you were and he had a plan. Now, unfortunately, I've messed his plan up several times. Okay. His plan's a great one. Okay. But his desire was that all of us would find his son and call on him for salvation and spend eternity with him in heaven. And Jesus and God knew. Uh, what was going to happen beforehand because he lives in eternity. Okay, so as soon as you get that concept as a foundational principle, then all of a sudden the rest of it starts to make sense. See, we only call it predestination on our side of the time domain because we think that God is forcing us into a position or a decision or an action. But if you look at it from God's side of the time domain, he's just telling you what's going to happen. Matter of factly, because he's already been there and seen it. So it's not real interesting. Okay. I know you're not a big sports guy, Caleb. Okay. I, I'm not right now, but I used to be more into it. You know, I played sports and I watched sports. Okay. How many of us watch the Super Bowl twice? I have. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Good for you. My point is not consecutive Super Bowls or different ones, but how many of us watch it and record it and then rewind it and watch oh. it again? I, right. Okay. I that would imagine. I, I never have. Sure. Well, of course not, because it's not any fun the second time. Right. You know everything that's going to happen. Well, that's the same as that's the same way God is going through this. All of this stuff has already happened. He knows if you are going to share this video with your friends and help us along or not. He already knows if you're going to be a good or a bad person. So that's that brings up an interesting point. So this is one of the things that puzzled me as a kid. I used to okay. think about this and think, okay, so if God 
knows me before I'm in my mother's womb, if he's known me, you know, since mm-hmm. the beginning of time, then, you know, does God, <laughs> I remember as a kid trying to, trying to fit this whole thing together. And I remember thinking, all right, so if God, does God know, like, obviously it seems like I have a choice, mm-hmm. but if I decide to spin my chair to the right or that spin my chair to the left, or maybe I go left twice and then right, like, <laughs> Is God like up there being like, yep, I knew he's going to do that. Yep, I knew he's going to do that. And I, I would say, and I don't know, I, of course, my head is spinning right now just thinking about how God must operate outside of time and space. And I know that he does. I obviously know that God does operate outside of time and space. But there are there are absolute things. That, and the one thing that is very comforting about God is that not only is his word infallible, but that he's infallible. He doesn't change from yesterday to today to tomorrow because he mm-hmm. is the same God. That doesn't mean that, yes, thank God. And so there are some things that are absolute, like his death on the cross, his atonement for our sins, that Mm -hmm. being the finished work of his grace and and the atonement there being a consistent thing that that is there for all generations is that's amazing. And I'm glad that he doesn't change like that. And I've come to the conclusion that I don't know how all this works from God's perspective. um, And I don't necessarily care if I understand completely until I, until I get to eternity and maybe I will or won't at that point, I still won't be God. So who knows? Maybe I won't. But the, uh, the idea that God, I definitely do believe that God knows the hearts of man as far as eternal things are concerned. And I don't know if he's so much uh, concerned about the petty little decisions that we make as far as whether or not we share a Facebook video or we don't, I'm not saying that he isn't all knowing that he doesn't know all of those things, but there's a lot of, a lot of, things that go in our go on in our lives before or after we become Christians that I don't think that God is so much concerned about, like you said, the job that you have or the, you know, the place that you work or the things that you do as much as why, you know, the the heart issue of why it is that you do the things that you do, the the attitude. And uh, those are, those are bigger things in God's eyes than, than the, what is the why. And so I would say that God is, you know, things as far as eternity, God does know those things, but here's the problem is it, our our human minds don't operate outside of time and space. And so it's very easy for us to look at it and say, but but if God knew that this is the way it was going to go, then he then that it's really hard to wrap our mind around us still having free will. And it, it seems like it turns into this conflict where if God knows every little detail of our lives from the beginning, and he still chose to create us anyway, knowing that we were going to go the route that we go. Then it seems almost like that it is all predetermined and that God knows and he chose to create us anyway, even though we were going to do bad things or have bad circumstances in our life. And it is co- a complex and I don't know that we can package it up real neatly in this <laughs> one hour episode here. Um, and there are there are plenty of comforting verses in the Bible that, that have helped me out on this. But what I would say is that when we come to the point of realizing that just because God is all knowing and that he is all powerful, that we don't have to assume, or we actually, the Bible prohibits us from assuming that we can go down the route of, of, of thinking that God is controlling every action in our life just because he knows and he creates us anyways, even though we're going to have this fallen sin nature that we are born into doesn't mean that God has predestined every aspect of our life from the beginning to the end. And I'm not sure if I can, like I said, we may not really be able to package this up really neatly, but if that were the case, sin would be impossible. Honestly, for us to sin against God would be impossible because he 
is the one that chose those actions for us ahead of time. And so if God, if God was the one predetermining it for us, so just because he's all knowing doesn't necessarily mean that he's predetermining everything that happens. And I just had a, well, do you have some statistics okay. for us? Well, I was, no, I, was I have, you had some I have some verse, I had some verses pulled up, but I have no, I, they don't even look like the same verses because I don't know what version they pulled up here. In. You want um, me to jump in while you look for them? Well, here, I'm going to, I'm just going to read it out of, I don't know even what there version this is. Here I'm we sorry. go, folks. Random verses. This will be good. Random <laughs> well, verses no, it, with Caleb. It's not random verses. It is random version. I don't have any idea what version it is. I said, "Oh, great. so you'll That's have to help. forgive me." Yeah, uh, this might be this might be some sort of reprobate, <laughs> godforsaken, trans translated by a witch version. Here, yeah, but here we go. Anyways, is God a woman so, in this version? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, John seventeen seven. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Uh, Galatians 5.13 is another one that I pulled up here. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. These are issues where it's talking about our freedom and and comparing it to us. Obviously, we have the choice in this freedom that we have from God to sin. And I think and he's, and he's saying... Please don't use your freedom to choose to do the bad stuff. Right. And another one, I love this one, and I, I still, it's in a bad version here, but um, Joshua 24, 15 says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this Caleb, day. I can quote that verse. Go ahead. Out of King James. <laughs> <laughs> but choose ye uh, this day who you, who you will serve, whether it be the gods of... Uh, uh, your fathers are the gods on the other side of Jordan, you know, and the Ammonites and the Canaanites and yada, yada. But as for me and my house, you know, we will serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Yeah. yeah. So obviously he's making this choice here. Joshua is making the choice that he and his house are going to serve the Lord. And he's saying, we all have this choice. And if this choice, if God had already predetermined our life from the beginning to the end, what would be the point in, in a Christian or in Joshua in this situation, preaching to them and saying, Hey, choose you this day who you will serve. What would be the point in us as Christians telling somebody you need Jesus, you need to go, you know, find, find salvation through Christ. If it was all predetermined and you're going to hell no matter what, or you're going to heaven, no matter what, then what, what we're all just a bunch of puppets and robots. Why would have Jesus said, you know, given us the great commission and told us to go out and baptize people and to, and to preach the gospel. So it's, to me, it's such the, and of course I'm only, here I am, we've made it 45 minutes into the episode and I've really only warned of the dangers of, of bad theology on predestination here. Um, and it can go the other way with free will as well, but to realize the fact that, that God cannot be put in this box of saying that God knows everything from the beginning. He predetermines everything from the beginning and that we are, and that we're somehow left completely without a choice. Free will is, is left out of the picture. Then all of a sudden everything's God's fault and it destroys most of the Bible, you might as well just burn it because there isn't such a thing as a choice on our end to choose right and wrong. Therefore, sin doesn't exist. And the Bible warns against sin all the way front and back. Jesus came and died because of our sin issue. And so anyways, I think I, that's about all that I really had on the predestination side as far as that going off in the ditch. And then there's obviously on the free will side, we can take that to the point that we diminish God as well. But you have you have a thought. Well, I was just thinking, you heard it here first, uh, folks. Caleb said, burn your Bibles. I mean, he said that. We don't need the context. Just remember that Caleb Jenks on Bible Thumper said to 
burn the good book. Hey, okay, CNN, so- if there's anybody at <laughs> CNN listening, I think Patrick is looking for a job right now. He's a little slow <laughs> in the construction industry. Uh, okay, so I'm putting up a verse here, and it's Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. Now, we've talked about this verse at least once or twice while we were on um, the, the podcast here. And this is the end of Deuteronomy. Moses uh, is um, uh, at the end of his life. He might have already died by that point. I don't remember, but he certainly isn't going to make it into the promised land. Joshua has taken over. He's about to lead the children of Israel over the Jordan. And he has a talk with all the whole nation of Israel. And he says, uh, on behalf of God, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Now, it's always comical to me that God set before the Israelites life and death, and then he has to tell them which one to choose as if they weren't smart enough to know that they should choose life and blessings instead of death and cursing. But he was explaining that you can either follow me, your your God, or you can follow the gods of the people on the other side of Jordan, the Ammonites, the Jebusites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, and you can do all the wickedness of them. And he's telling them before they go over, it's important that you make this choice and you choose to follow me. What was the point of the speech? If there was no choice there, if there was no free will, if they had, you know, and and these speeches go on and on and on throughout the whole Bible where God's saying, look, you have the choice. And, and even when they make the wrong choice and they end up in sin and the nation of Israel is punished, then the prophets come and they're like, hey, guess what? Change your mind. Go back to God and everything will be fixed again. I mean, it's just over and over again where, where God wants us to follow him, but he doesn't force our hand. And, and I love that about God. Sometimes I wish he would make me obey him because I hate having to go through difficult times and learn lessons because I only learn lessons when I am pruned, when branches are cut off so more fruit can grow. And it's painful, okay, but there's worthless stuff in my life and it has to get hacked off and trimmed back so that more fruit can grow. And unfortunately, that usually happens when I mess up and then God has to come in and, you know, kind of rescue and and save the day. Okay, so, Caleb, I got a question for you just get just to, you know, throw a throw a wrench in the whole thing. Well, let me ask you, did you want to go over the dangers of free will? Because really, I'm not sure where you're going with that. And if you had a point that you could make, go ahead, jump in. Let me let me hear what's the problem with believing in too much free will or or explain it to me because I'm not sure where you're going with this. Well, so what I would say is that if you go off in either ditch on anything with any theological issue, I see people do it all the time. And this is actually, I would say, where we end up diminishing God's powerful. If we, if we say, all right, I have, God gave me this free will and I can, he's given me the the power to choose. I don't think that's really dangerous when we, when we recognize that God is the one that gave it to us in the first place. It's God that has given us that nature. But when we, when we get to the point where we say, well, everything in my life is determined by my choices and God doesn't play a part in that. There are absolutes that, that we could say that God has, um, well, it would be like a a lot of atheists that get put themselves in a bind where they recognize the fact that, well, they're, we can't really completely explain this whole thing off of uh, evolution. 
We don't really have a good answer. So maybe there was a creator, but he basically, this is a clockwork universe. He's wound this thing up like a clock spring and he turned it loose and whatever mm -hmm. happens, happens and God doesn't have anything to do with it. So if, if that was the case and there's absolute laws that are put in place by God, laws of gravity, laws of, you know, grace, laws of, you know, him coming and dying on the cross, but maybe God ceased to exist somewhere along the line, basically. And he isn't playing an active role in the world. And there's a lot of actual there's actually a lot of Christians that have gone to this point of believing that God was active back in the day. And maybe since, since different, different guys have come along with different versions or different dates, you know, since Pentecost, he isn't, he isn't active anymore or, you know, it's different things. Um, if that was the case and you diminish God to that point to say that God doesn't still meddle in our affairs, so to speak, um, then what would be the point in us putting faith and trust in a God that has no power over the day-to-day -day affairs of our life? So all throughout the history of the Bible, God has been intervening and saving mankind from all sorts of other affairs besides just salvation relating to eternity. Um, there's times where God was going to wipe out the nation of Israel and Moses pleaded with God and said, God, please don't you know, destroy them. And God changed his mind or where God was going to wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah. And and, you know, Moses was there plead or sorry, Abraham was there pleading. Uh, with God for his brother-in-law, different things like that, where we can see it went down in history where God even changed his own course of action because of somebody interceding. But over and over again, look at the children of Israel crossing through the, through the, uh, into the promised land and see how much God did for them and how much he does for us in our lives. So the, the idea that we have a free will and that, that our choices and, and the responsibility for those actions does fall on our shoulders doesn't mean that God isn't working behind the scenes, even when we don't see him and saving us from all sorts of calamities. Doesn't, it doesn't reduce God as who he is. So that's, that's the danger of saying, of rejecting predestination or, or, or God really having a hand in our life or a hand in calling somebody, electing somebody, choosing them is, is if we diminish God and say, well, we have free will, but that God doesn't, well, that's not the case. God gave us that nature because it's part of his nature. He does still have mm -hmm. that free will just because he doesn't change in his nature doesn't mean that God isn't still doing things and active. Mm -hmm. And if you were to take that route, it could become very dangerous and really diminish the power of God. So that's, that's where I would say that we have to recognize there are, is points to why, why some of these things are recorded in scripture, where it goes over God electing us and God calling us and God knowing us from the beginning of time, God knowing, being all knowing God. So that's, I, I didn't think that we needed to devote that much time to that because mm -hmm. that should be obvious. If we're really a Christian, we believe that God is still God and he's still alive and he's not dead in the grave. Then those things should be obvious, but it's not obvious to everybody because there's people that go off in the ditch and then they, they think that God is basically a dead God that set things that wound, wound the universe up and just turned it loose like a clock. You know, I just had a thought. If there was no free will, then prophecy in the Bible would be completely unimpressive. Right. If God made every single decision for all mankind at every point, then prophecy is like, oh, okay, yeah, great, you called that one. Well, there is no other outcome that could have happened, right? Because free right. will can't change anything. The only reason that prophecy is impressive is because God tells us what all these different people are doing throughout all of time in different countries over thousands and thousands of years, and he pinpoints events from Gentiles and Jews and how it's going to work. And then those events come to pass. 
Okay, so we only have about nine or ten minutes, and I think as soon as we're done, Caleb, I'm just going to hit – we're going to stop the session. I'm going to hit record again for part two, and you and I can just chat like no one's here because those are always the most interesting ones. But here's my question for you, okay? <clears throat> Judas Iscariot betrayed the Lord and ended up going out and hanging himself. Okay, did he have a choice? Yes. Absolutely. Okay, now – Remember that in the book of Zechariah, in chapter 11, verses 12 and 13, it was prophesied that he was going to betray God for the amount of money he was going to betray him for and how it was all going to play out. So how do you reconcile? And just so everyone is aware, I'll type in the verse so you can look it up, but I'll read it now. Zechariah 11, verses 12 and 13. And I said unto them, if you think good, give me my hire. And if not, forbear. So they weighed for my hire 30 pieces of silver. And Jehovah said unto me, cast it unto the potter, the goodly price that I was prized at by them. And I took the 30 pieces of silver and cast them onto the potter in the house of Jehovah. Okay, so that was prophesied hundreds of years prior to uh, uh, Jesus, I want to say, about 500 years prior to that. So we knew that there was going to be a betrayer. He was going to be betray God. We know how much money he was going to do it for and where that money was going to end up. And still, um, uh, you say that uh, Judas Iscariot uh, had free will. So how do, you reconcile, how do you okay, reconcile well, that? Before I reconcile, I'm going to throw one more in here too. All right, so okay. Romans 9, Romans 9.21 says, Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? Mm -hmm. So here we have another thing that seems to indicate that maybe God went ahead and made somebody even though, well, I believe that God goes ahead and makes somebody even though they're, he knows they're going to make bad choices. Uh -huh. And it doesn't mean that he made them something wrong with that person, but he knows mm -hmm. our nature that we have in us, that some of us are going to choose against him, but he still creates us anyway. Is that just, I absolutely believe so. If God thought I was going to be a bad person and he chose not to make me, that's not fair to me because I never had a chance to do right. And all right. So here's why I think that, and I really wish I had a verse pulled up, but this has happened over and over and over again in the Bible where God promised certain destruction upon the people of Israel because of a wicked king. And because, because the king turned his heart back to God, God prolonged and gave mercy for sometimes two or three generations to his people because they had chosen God. And it seems like, well, was God wrong? No, God still had mercy, even though he carried out that judgment upon somebody he's, he prolonged because people turned back to God and they, and, and he has made promises that if, if, we turn back to him in prayer and we humble ourselves that he would, mm -hmm. that he will uh, heal our land. And so I think that, that those are issues where we look at, and I believe that Judas could have, and maybe it would have been somebody else that did it, betrayed him or something, but I do believe that Judas could have had the choice to do right instead. And of course, I won't know until eternity on some of these things. Here I am trying to look at it from God's perspective or make a judgment on this. But the very fact that Judas, um, well, so you tell me what 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 is your thoughts on when Judas went to the uh, and threw the temple in the money the the money into the door of the temple when they wouldn't take the money because they said hey this is blood money. What is your thoughts on that? I actually think that Judas was repentant to a certain degree. Maybe mm -hmm. he still made the wrong choice or did the wrong thing at that point. 
But I do think that Judas could have done, there were several steps along the way where Judas was regretting mm -hmm. it and he could have done something totally different. Yeah, and, and keep in mind, Caleb, my, my question was a devil's advocate question. I believe right. 100%. I, I, I agree with you that Judas had a choice, okay, but he still chose to betray our Lord. So um, we do know that he was possessed when he did these things, okay? The Bible says that the devil entered into him. It wasn't demonic oppression. It was demonic possession. So there was a demon that entered into him, just like the maniac of Gadara, just like so many people we read about in the Bible. And he made a horrible choice. And clearly, okay, it never talks about the devil leaving him or the demon, if you will, leaving him. Uh, but we assume that once he was used, he was no longer needed and the demon could have left. And this is conjecture. And clearly... A, a wave of guilt came over this man and he felt terrible. And at that point, um, he, that is when he would have brought the money back because that, that was, if bringing the money back and throwing it on the floor of the temple, when you know the people you threw it at would not take it, if that was not a sign of repentance, I don't know what was. He clearly felt terrible about his decision, wanted to make it right, the only action he could take was to return the money because Jesus had already been arrested. You know, I mean, that was that was over. He was in their possession. So we couldn't undo that, but he could at least give the blood money back and not want anything to do with it. So so he made that decision. You know, and often the, the, the debate comes up about is Judas saved? Uh, you know, clearly he was not saved when the devil entered into him. We know that because once we get saved, the Holy Spirit indwells us. Um, if you want to get into the argument that that was still Old Testament time and the Holy Spirit doesn't indwell everyone permanently until after Pentecost, we can make that argument. I understand there are different sides of the coin. And I also understand that I'm currently in the weeds and I've lost half of our audience because <laughs> of where I'm going. Okay. But what I'm saying is <clears throat> um, Judas clearly, um, you know, of his own free will decided this was wrong. I did something terrible. I want to make it right. I don't know what to do. And what it seems like is in an act of desperation and possibly great agony and depression, he uh, hung himself, which, you know, again, was uh, was prophesied. So right. Um, <clears throat> what was your question? Did I ask a question? <laughs> if, oh, no. I, yeah, I was just saying. No, I was I was just saying, did, did you think that it, it certainly seems that that he had definitely different points along the way. His ch choice initially to yield to, to the temptation that he yielded to, to give into sin and possibly demonic possession there, whatever, that was definitely, he had a lot of choices that led up to that. He could have said no. And I, I do believe that when, when we do humble ourselves and when we do ask for God's grace in our life, that even things that have been prophesied that were going to take place in our life, uh, that those things can be prolonged or those events uh, can change. So that doesn't mean that a prophecy that God, that God, when God speaks, that that his word changes, but you can definitely see situations where because of the choice of man after something was, a judgment was made by God, that justice was still carried out, but God carried it out in different ways because of the choices of men that turned back to him. And it, it seemed that, it seems to me that even in those cases that God, um, 
that God, even even on eternal things that he knows that is going is going to get carried out and that he does go ahead and carry it out, that our choices sometimes, I shouldn't say mess up his plan, but that it alters God's plan or that God changes be out of his mercy. He changes his plans around our choices. Mm. So anyways, yeah, we've definitely we definitely covered enough here to uh, to get get our feet People wet with thinking. this issue. And uh, I don't know that I don't know that we've convinced anyone else or ourselves that we've really got our our minds totally wrapped around this issue. But I would say, uh, aside from aside from eternal issues, God has God has uh, a lot going on in our lives as Christians, as born again believers. Um, before we're Christians, there's things that God is doing in our lives, and the idea that we can take that we can choose a side with this and that it can be harmless to me is absolutely nonsensical because if you choose one side or the other without giving it decent thought, um, then I think that we, I think that we can, well, the Bible says that for lack of knowledge, the uh, people perish. And I think that sometimes, uh, well, I believe that hell is very real. And that this is something that we should talk about uh, at, on a different, to- a different episode about hell at some point. But I don't believe that God would be just if there wasn't hell. And I don't believe that God would be just or fair if he created all of us with only good intentions and good outcomes and that we were only robots. So the fact that God still creates us, even though he knows that some of us are going to make bad choices and he knows those choices in advance, I don't believe that God would be just or, or right to just say, oh, I'm going to delete that guy. You know, he's never going to get a chance because of God's mercy. He creates us anyways, and he gives us a chance to make the right choice. And then that choice becomes our responsibility. And, and can we, can we look at it and say, well, but if God knows somebody's going to make a bad choice and he creates them anyways, doesn't it seem like that's somehow God's problem? Well, I don't understand why God chooses to do some things, but his mercy has shown throughout the ages that he is willing. He's definitely willing to change um, the judgment that we, that we uh, receive based off of our actions and our, and our choices. So I guess to sum it up, I, I would say that the majority of God's blessings and the, and the majority of God's curses in our life, even, even in eternity, even in going to hell, God chooses to, to allow there to be enough justice for those that do choose him to quarantine those that reject God and to quarantine them in a place that is hell, where there is the absence of God, the absence of a moral law, the absence of any sort of mercy. And he's allowed there to be a place where people like that, that don't want God in their life can, reject God in eternity as well. And I think that that's only just, and it's, it, that sounds super harsh on my part, but I do believe there's probably people that are watching this that without choosing God will probably be burning in hell. There's unsaved people that are watching this that are going to burn in hell unless you choose God. And that choice is yours just because we're on here saying God has, God loves all of us. God has, God has given us all the opportunity to choose him. Doesn't mean that God is in control of your life until you choose to put him as Lord of your life. So it's when we put him as Lord of our life that then God can start controlling our life and that we can have eternal life. So don't blame God if you end up in hell. That's, I guess, my my closing statement on here. If you haven't chosen him, it's your fault. And, and that is going to be your responsibility. Yeah. One of the things to remember for everyone in our audience is that every single person under the power of my voice is going to bow down before God on your knees. It is going to happen. Caleb and I decided to do that now in this lifetime. And that is by getting saved. We acknowledge that Jesus is God and that we want to uh, depend on him for our salvation. Nothing we do 
only the thing that he did. We put our faith in the work that he did on the cross about 2,000 years ago. And because that, Romans 10, 13 holds true for us, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. No works on my part, simply faith. We, we have faith in what Jesus did. And because I called on him and believed that he is God, and he died on the cross to forgive me of my sins. I am going to go to heaven one day because my sins in God's eyes are now non-existent and I can get into heaven. And I got down on my knees uh, and, and acknowledge him as my savior and other people that do not want to get saved, do not want to follow God and submit to his authority. They will get on their knees one day, but it will be too late. It will be at the great white throne judgment where everyone that stands before God will bow down, acknowledge him as Lord, but it will be too late and they will be cast into the lake of fire along with the devil and hell. And that will be their eternal resting place. And like Caleb said, that's not our wish for anybody, but unfortunately there are many people in the world that will not make it to heaven. They will die. They will go to hell forever. And that includes some people that we love very much. It includes some people that listen to this podcast. It'll include some people that you sit next to at church. And that's why it is so important that with anything we can have fun discussing and debating and arguing about the one thing that has to be crystal clear for all of us is salvation, how we get saved and how we can know for sure that if we were to die today, that heaven would be our home. And that is only through Jesus. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 describe it for it is by grace you are saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's nothing I can do. It's nothing I have done. It's nothing I need to continue to do. It is only the work that Jesus did. 2000 years ago on the cross. Yeah. Just to add, add to that. I, I love the idea that, you know, there's, there are better people than me that are going to go mm -hmm. to hell. Mm -hmm. And there are, there are worse people than you. If you're watching this video and you're not saved, there are worse people than you that are going to go to heaven. It doesn't have any, like Patrick said, we are all going to bow our knee. We're all going to acknowledge him as, as, as Lord, whether we do it in this life or the life to come. But the, the, the issue is it doesn't matter how good or bad you are. What Patrick just mentioned here is he's, he's talking about the finished work of the cross where Jesus came and he, he died for all of us. Don't matter how bad we are. Don't think, Oh, well, but you know, I'm not that good of a person yet. So I shouldn't, I shouldn't turn to Jesus yet. Maybe when I'm old and I settle down or, or whatever the excuse is. Oftentimes we think that we're not worthy. Well, none of us are worthy. I'm not worthy. None of us are worthy of the sacrifice that Jesus gave. And so it is like Patrick said, it has nothing to do with our works, our goodness. It is nothing to do with, with how holy or righteous of a person we are, have been, or ever will be. It's, it's the fact that Jesus is good enough, even though we're not. And so, yeah, I love the, I just love looking at it sometimes and thinking, God, you are so good to me because I don't deserve this. There's really, really good people that out there that do really, really good things, you know, a lot of good works. And those good works aren't going to get them into heaven. And it's sad. It's really sad when you think about that. But Jesus, Jesus is all that it, you can't, you cannot, I don't know how to emphasize this enough, but you cannot be good enough for God. Try, mm -hmm. try, try as hard as you can, but mm -hmm. you cannot, will not ever be good enough for God. Jesus is the only way. Well, amen. We're about seven minutes over. So I'm going to say thank you all for following us. I have no idea what we're talking about next week. Caleb, do you have any idea? You looked at the schedule today. 
yeah, I looked at it and I don't know. Uh, we, okay. we don't really have it all in order. We have a whole bunch of topics picked out, but we haven't really pinned them down. So we will hopefully announce a uh, event tomorrow. soon. We'll and get that tomorrow. My battery is at 14%, so I don't know that I'm going to stay back on for a follow-up episode. You tonight. don't even want to talk for a minute? Well, yeah, we can if you want. It's just I've, uh, my battery's going to die before too long. So That's fine. Okay, we're going to sign off, everyone. We'll see you next week, same time, 8 p.m. Mountain Time, 9 p.m. Central. Have a good, uh, have a good weekend. Shabbat shalom.